The gospel is shorthand, it's code for everything that Jesus is and does. So it's his life, it's his death, it's his resurrection. Hello, this is Pastor John. And this is Pastor Tim. And I'm Jolene, the Director of Music Ministry here. And I am James Hayes, Director of Youth and Small Groups. All right, and welcome back. We are going through our new mission statement here at Holy Cross, and uh, we've developed some content. We hope you are reading along, engaged in a small group, Uh, but this is just a way that you get to hear what different members of the staff are thinking about this as we seek to reform our ranks, kind of re-energize our church. And so today we're going through chapter four, and that topic is, I am a gospel-centered disciple. So last week we looked at really growing. This week, we're looking at gospel-centered. And so, Pastor John, tell us a little bit about what it means to be a gospel-centered disciple. So, this is all about motivation. We have to ask what's motivating our growth, our discipleship, and uh, sometimes we can have motives that outwardly might look good, like maybe guilt or even pride, like I'm really killing it at this discipleship thing. So humble. (laughs) I am the humblest. (laughs) Yeah, just the humblest person. Um, You know, it may be just that we're we're trying to earn God's favor. We're trying to maybe secure salvation by how hard we sweat. Mm -hmm. And, um, Mm -hmm. you know, people will say, you know, man, I really hope I make it into heaven. And Mm -hmm. so those are not great motivations. Uh, Guilt does not grow disciples. It can produce some momentary growth. Just like if I go out in my garden and I like just start pulling at weeds and I get the top of the weed, it looks like all the weeds are pulled, but the roots are still there. And so we have to get down to the motivation of what's really in our hearts. And the only thing that can truly motivate uh, life-giving discipleship and growth is grace. And so the idea here is that we're gospel-centered. So what does the gospel mean? The gospel is shorthand, it's code for everything that Jesus is and does. So it's his life, it's his death, it's his resurrection, it's everything that we receive because he lived and died for us. So salvation, justification, adoption into his family, forgiveness of sins, uh, regeneration, new life, being given a new heart, the promise of eternal life. I mean, we could just go down and and talk about countless different aspects of the gospel. But the main idea here is that the good news of what Jesus has done for us motivates our hearts towards obedience, which is the opposite of rewards and punishments. You better do this or else, or if Mm -hmm. you do this, then. Okay, so, so good. We want to be gospel-centered disciples being motivated by gross grace. <laughs> Our growth is motivated by grace instead of trying to be motivated by guilt. Um, okay, so let's reflect on that. So the first question we would answer is why, uh, or I'm sorry, why can't the law be the end of motivation, the end motivation for Christians or stated another way, while the law of God is good, why can it never give us lasting growth as disciples? So James, what do you think? Why can't 
the law give us lasting growth as disciples? I think the law shows us what we we need to do. It's like the perfect the the highest of the high, right? That God is saying, "Be perfect, mm-hmm. um, as I am perfect." So, when we strive after that, there are two ways, like Pastor John said, of either being um, prideful and saying, "Well, I'm perfect because I'm following these," or in despair, I I can't follow any of these, so there's no way I can do anything. Um, so we both, uh, in both ways, we kind of just freeze up. We either plateau and say, well, there's no way hmm. I can either, I can't go any farther because I'm perfect or I can't go any higher because I'm so in despair. So the law shows us those things, um, what is good, but it, it's not going to get us any farther. I think the gospel is always helping us to grow and helping us to um go beyond where we are at the be- where we are now. Um, and the gospel is always saying, you're not perfect, um, you're not great, but God has a purpose for you. Uh, keep, keep going, keep moving. Yeah, good. Uh, I think, yeah, there's a sense of desperation in the law. You know, it's like if I, I'm gonna, it's like if you have your, um, uh, your exercise equipment set to 10, you know, and it's like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And it's like reality starts to set in. Mm -hmm. I'm actually, now you're going to fall pretty soon. Yeah. Um, so there's this desperation that, um, is there. It doesn't come from a place of realistic peace and joy. And I think the completed work of Christ in the gospel is a much more secure place to be. Um, so it can't, I mean, if it's all depending on us, we're going to fall. We yeah. just are. Um, and we all know that too, you know, uh, e- either we're going to fail morally, let someone else down tragically, or we're going to physically die, you know? So mm. it's a, it is a dead end literally to try to, to be motivated by the law always. But if we're motivated by the promises of Christ, his resurrection, his free gift of love, that doesn't change and it's always there and we can be realistic about our growth. Yeah. And it brings resentment, right? That mm. I'm only doing this because I have to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm only doing this because God's telling me to. But when we do things because God's next to us and loving us and caring for us along the way, that's a, that's a huge difference. When people just tell me, it's like, hey, read this book or hey, you have to do this by this time. That's not, that's not a real <laughs> motivation. But when it's like, hey, let's do this together, hmm. that's, mm. that's a much better mm-hmm. motivation for me. Good, let's move on to the next question. So how, how do Christians act when they live based on guilt or fear of God? I think that sometimes you can have Christians who are really, it's interesting. You can get some Christians who will be very like lacking confidence. They're just like, I'm just the worst thing in the world. I'm just the worst sinner. And they're really withholding that grace from themselves. But then you get other Christians who, because they're based on guilt or fear, they are overly confident and they they know they're right. And sometimes the most dangerous person can be the person who 
has no doubts whatsoever, you know, mm. about mm. I'm right, you know, and they can just be unreasonable or harsh. And I think that what this does too is it kind of like it pushes sin under the surface into hidden areas in our lives. And so we, we're not going to be vulnerable. We're not going to admit that we have struggles or failures. So we're going to take sin from out in the open and we're going to push it under the surface and hide it from everybody, even ourselves, which ends up creating hypocrisy. And, mm -hmm. and so we're showing people outwardly, I'm this, this Christian who, who knows God, loves God, follows God, but underneath we're just hiding all this stuff and not being vulnerable. Mm -hmm. I, I think it's, it, the, the word toxic comes to mind, you know, just mm -hmm. when, when Christians are, are living on the basis of guilt. Think about a little kid that does something wrong and they want to hide it. Mm -hmm. You know, they want to, they break something and, and then they just want to hide the pieces under their bed and hope their mom doesn't find it. And I think Christians that are struggling with that, with mm -hmm. the guilt or the shame, I think sometimes their um, default is to just, you know, maybe not come to worship or, mm -hmm. you know, I'm just going to come in and sit in the back and get right out before anyone. So I think they're, they're maybe kind of trying to hide that a little bit. And to your point, I've always thought that our, that our sin, it, it, I have this imagery of like, you know, if you have a, a kitchen and there's been water running behind the cabinets and you don't see it, but over the time it's dark in there. And so mold has just grown. And I think that's mm. kind of the way sin is when it's hidden like that, you know, when you don't deal with it, you just put it in the cupboard and shut, it's still there and it's, and it's <laughs> yeah. growing. And the way out of that is to open the cupboard doors and very painfully look at the mold and then bring someone in there and have them look at the mold and then shine a light on it, you know, which mm. is Christ. And then, you know, begin to clean it up, but you have to start by opening up. So you have to, you have to start by just sharing that guilt and mm. that sin or that shame with, with someone and shine that light on it. Hiding it is just not going to work. Yeah. Hiding is the default. It's what humans, you want to do it? for yeah. sure. I mean, that's Adam and Eve, Eve right? Yeah. 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 And I, this is where I think like sometimes AA like has a better mindset sometimes than churches because <laughs> like you go to an AA meeting and it's like you show up and you're like, hello, my name is, I'm an alcoholic. Mm -hmm. And people tell, people are super vulnerable in say Alcoholics Anonymous or Narcotics Anonymous. They're going to share their stuff. Mm -hmm. And that's actually what binds people together mm -hmm. and creates camaraderie. And in the church, a lot of times we show up and we say, most merciful God, I confess that I am by nature sinful and unclean. I've sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. And it's just kind of this thing we do, but do we really mean it? You know, because if we, I mean, if we really understood it as a community, mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. this is why we're all here, right? Yeah. yeah. We're here because, oh my gosh, we're all a mess and we need grace every week, every moment. Um, yeah. Like we're coming here because we need grace. Sorry, that was, I'm going into the <laughs> Yeah, that's good. <laughs> yeah. But I, I think it's true. I think it's always been like a tr little bit of a tragedy in the Christian world that we don't know each other at a level of our mm -hmm. brokenness because, mm -hmm. and I think it's like this, and it's not only in the Christian world, but we want people to see the best of us, you know, the Instagram filter mm. of us. Reel. Yeah. But we actually just know like maybe 30% of that person's lived experience. If we mm -hmm. see that those mm -hmm. good days, good moments, mm -hmm. and you can't really have a friend. You can't truly have a friend if that that's all they know about you. So yeah, I think when we're motivated by fear and guilt, we're just hiding those parts of our mm -hmm. lives that are 
that are maybe we just got to get down to. Mm-hmm. We got to we got to be raw and real about that that truth and I think being if we're gathered around the gospel of grace that allows us. We're not here because of our works or our our fear or how we're performing it. We're gathered around here as guests, you know. And not based on who we have been or who we will be, but based on who Jesus is, that allows us to be confident to say, here's the mold. (laughs) Okay, so why is motivation such a significant aspect of being a disciple? Motivation moves people to do things or not do things, right? Mm -hmm. And I just think about like, when I was a kid, like, you know, the parents say, clean up your room. And it's like, I don't really feel like it because I'm totally fine with living in this mess. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd rather do things my own way and you're not the boss of me. Actually, you are, but <laughs> when you're 13, you know, you think you know everything. And, but then I think about you go to college and you live in your own mess <laughs> and you think, you know what? what if I cleaned up my room? <laughs> Whoa. And then you do it and you're like, I actually kind of like this. Um, you know what I mean? It's like you, you have that extrinsic motivation of people telling you, do this, do your homework, take, do the dishes. And then you have the intrinsic motivation that says, I'm going to do this because I, I care. And, and so I think that what motivates us is incredibly important. I think, it, it, you know, it's hard to know the motivations of our hearts Exactly. Oh yeah, they're always mixed. Yeah, they are. But I, I think it. Yeah, it's. I think it's. If the gospel has truly got a hold of us, we're going to be motivated by love, and trust of God rather than fear and those things. And so, you can try to search your motivations, mm-hmm. you know, and say, yeah, why am I trying to perform? Is it because I belong to God already? And if it is the case that I belong to God already, um, then it's it's easy, it's light, it's a burden that's not heavy. So I think that motivation is pretty crucial. I think it's important too to know that our motivations aren't going to be 100% pure Mm. all the Mm -hmm. time. If you have to wait, like, wait till my motivation's (laughs) great, then maybe I don't need to go to church. Like, it's never going to be great, but God's going to use, like we said before, God's going to use that law, that guilt part to help get you to the gospel part. Mm -hmm. And as you keep doing it, maybe in a law motivation way, God's going to slowly, slowly work through you to say, Hey, this is actually good for me. And I want to actually do this. Mm -hmm. Like whether it's working out or getting up early or reading a Mm -hmm. book you know, I think all those things are hard to start, but once you get into that rhythm, you realize how good it is for mm, you. Yeah. And that kind of leads us to our, our next question, which is what things are important to keep in mind when it all feels like an obligation? So when you don't feel particularly motivated, right? Or when it feels like it's all heavy. I think there's something godly about showing up to church and saying, hey God, I don't really want to be here but I'm still here. You know what I mean? Like just to be like, you talked about your motivations don't have to be completely pure, like, because you're never going to get there. Mm -hmm. And I think that as sinners, because the grace of God is so great, we can just admit like, Hey, this is kind of where I'm at. Mm -hmm. And I, we can admit 
like that our motivations aren't great. And, and okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> so God still loves you. Jesus still died for you. Um, you're still baptized. So let's keep going. Yeah. Yeah. I hear people say too, well, I don't have to come to church. Nowhere in the Bible does it say I have to go to church. I'm fine. I can worship God on a mountain. I can worship God on a walk. I can worship God in my living room. I don't have to actually be there. And um, our family was actually discussing this during devotions when our kids were little. And I remember Sarah, she was probably in eighth grade, probably going through confirmation at the time. And she said, yeah, but mom, when you're not at church, it's like you take a coal out of a fire and put it you know, picture a roaring fire. You pull one coal out for a while, it's hot and glowing and maybe even has a flame. And if it doesn't go back to that fire, it, it burns out. And she said, that's what happens when you're not, you know, you're, you're trying to do it on your own and you're not a part of the fire. And then it got me to thinking too, as we talked further in our devotion, that sometimes you don't go to church for yourself you go to church to be that coal for the rest of the fire. You're, you know, together it's a fire. So mm -hmm. sometimes maybe it's not even for yourself. You're going, or if you know your motivation, I don't really want to go. You're maybe not going for you. You're going so mm. that you are the body, so that you mm. are the group. Yes, make it's not it really fire. about me. It's about right. Jesus first. And yeah, I really don't want to be there, but that fire needs me. You yeah. know, there might be another coal about ready to go out and they might need my warmth. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's that's super useful to just keep in mind the bigger picture of who we are together mm -hmm. in Christ. Um, yeah, I think too, just being gospel centered, you know, it's like when it feels like an obligation and when our, our motives are not pure as the driven snow, you know. Are they ever? <laughs> right, when we don't want necessarily want to be there, it's like, yeah, guess what? You're a sinner. Mm -hmm. You don't have the perfect motivations. You don't always want to show up even for yourself or for your neighbor. Uh, but guess what? Jesus did show up, mm -hmm. right? Jesus came down, he showed up. So being uh, content to just contemplate the gospel again, you know, when we're in those moods of self-pity or I'm not good enough or I don't want to, just thinking about just the tremendous love of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's sustaining once again, because it's not based on our performance mm -hmm. and we can see this this love that can kind of break through our, our malaise, you know? Yeah. yeah. It's kind of as a closing thought here. I, I, I think it's important that we remember that, that the, the goal of worship is the gospel. Like a lot of times we associate church maybe with guilt or obligation, but, or like, you know, sometimes oh, I feel bad, but, Really, the goal in, in, in worship is to arrive at hearing the gospel clearly. Mm -hmm. And so that's the purpose of baptism, right, is that we belong to Christ. That's the purpose of Holy Communion is to know that we belong to Christ. That's the purpose of hearing the sermon, the purpose of being around other Christians, confessing our sins and hearing God's forgiveness. Like, that's the main focus of worship is the gospel. Like, when we come to worship, yeah, we're going to, lean towards growth, but the main focus is not, here's another thing to do. It's, here's what Christ has done for you, and you can rest in that. I think the main focus is sing a great song, honestly. <laughs> There's a lot of great songs about <laughs> what Jesus has done for us. Yeah. So. Well, good. Well, let's um, end our time together in prayer. 
Uh, dear Jesus, thank you for your sacrifice for us, that all of our sins may be forgiven and that we may, be, may have a true and whole connection with the Father. Take away all guilt and shame that may motivate us and cloud us from seeing your full love and grace. And may your gospel always be our focus, motivation, and cheer. Amen. Amen. Amen.